Hello everybody, good morning. It's Catherine Coles here from simplyhormones.com and today I'm here to talk to Anne Scott about her own journey through menopause. And I met Anne at a women in business conference last November and we started talking about hormones as you do and I thought she had a very interesting story to tell. Now Anne is her background is in industry was with IT and communications delivering technology and now she's completely turned that on its head and is now helping businesses so she specializes in business creation and transformation and helping people to be intuitive in their leadership and she calls herself crossing frontiers now. And so let's go on to that, Anne, and talk about your journey through menopause. What would you say were your symptoms, the, the symptoms that you first recognised that made you think it might be menopause, and what age were you then? Good morning, Catherine. Great to speak to you. Yes, this is a really interesting question because retrospectively, I can see that my first symptoms were probably night sweats. Right. I was having those probably in my mid-30s, 35, 36 you know, up to about 39, really obviously got very hot, yeah. very sweaty, woke up at night, had to change, sometimes had to change the sheets. Yeah. Uh, and so what it, did you do about that then? Well, actually, I just lived through it. And mm. um, I think part of it was, at the time, was that there was a relationship between the night sweats and a night when I had oh. a cu- couple of glasses of wine. Yeah. So I thought, okay, so the alcohol is exacerbating this. So, mm. you know, I thought, well, I still want to have my few glasses of wine. I assumed that it was purely to do with the alcohol. Yeah. But now yeah. that I am where I am, sort of like 15 years later, yeah. I clearly I realized that was a very significant symptom. Yes. So that's all you did about it at that time. You, you felt it was alcohol related and had no idea that it was potentially hormonal and that you were starting to go through menopause. You were perimenopausal. I didn't because the other thing that had happened to me in my early 30s is I had, I think, about 10 months without any periods. Right. And bearing in mind that I'm not underweight. No. And nor am I significantly overweight. I mean, you know, I'm a, a robust person. Quite normal, yes. Yeah, it, it, you know, I lost a bit of weight at the time. I was very delighted not to, you know, I was traveling. I was in 30, I was traveling in, in Asia. I was really pleased not to have the periods. It was very, yes. it was great convenience, actually. But it did cross my mind that potentially there was something else going on there. But about, you know, literally nine months later, I got, got to Australia and my period started again. So I, I didn't particularly worry about it. Mm-hmm. But when I got to my mid-30s, I went from, when I was having periods, I had a very clear seven-day period which was quite heavy and it was certainly very heavy at the beginning of the cycle so you know I would have to have wear tampons and sanitary yes. towels and be very aware of it and in my mid-30s that changed significantly so that was the other change I noticed in my mid-30s is that my periods quite quite quickly over a period I suppose of about two years went from seven days down to five mm. then down to three and probably in my late 30s and moving into my 40s I was actually having a one-day period right on a two-day period. So that was another significant change. Yeah. For me, I didn't actually go to the doctor. I didn't treat it as a, a medical issue. No. But I am interested in an alternative health. Mm. So I was going to an acupuncturist, and I also found a great homeopath at that time. And so I did start taking herbal and homeopathic medications, but not specifically because I thought I was menopausal. No, yeah. Did it, What did you know about menopause at the time? It probably didn't even enter your radar, did it? The only reason why it even piqued my interest is because 
an aunt of mine on my father's side had what they call an early menopause around her. She just got married, I think, when she was 36. Mm. And within a couple of years, very similar to my story, I suspect now, mm. she was menopausal. But this was all sort of, it was a bit of a family anecdote. It wasn't something that she talked about. But every time I talked to a doctor or talked to somebody in the medical profession about it, they were very clear that that the menopause, that your genetic predisposition would come from your mother. Now, right. my mother didn't start her menopause until she was well into her 50s. Yes. In fact, she was pregnant when she was 48. Uh, and she still, uh, I think she had periods through to her mid-50s or late 50s. So yeah. my mother's story it was nothing completely like different. Completely yeah. different. Listening to what you have to say there, you, your symptoms didn't seem to follow the norm you were, you were following this homeopathic regime so was that helpful i then got started getting hot flushes in my early 40s that was much later i had night sweats and hot flushes Flush very later. separate yeah um like when my night sweats stopped there was then a break and then i got hot flushes and yes. i would be getting a hot flush maybe once every half hour yes yeah very yeah. very strong for yes. about two yes. years and Cracky. at that point I really found that the homeopathic and the herbal medication really help I would also say that probably in my 30s I suspect now that the what I was taking it really helped my period the flow I would guess you know right um, yeah. what I noticed as well as I had a massage at one point called a chine tang massage mm-hmm. It really loosened up or really got things flowing. I really felt that I was stuck. I think that's how I would describe yes. what I felt about my my system, mm-hmm. my menstrual system in my late 30s was that it was stuck. And I felt that these things that I was taking were helping unstick that. Yes, and they do say that uh, certain massages do help the flow of the organs and, and mm. help us to, to unblock certain areas. I know for my own self and a lot of other women would concur that I reached a sort of what I would describe as a tsunami. The the symptoms all came together at one point and were so overwhelming, I didn't know uh, where I was or what I was doing. So did you reach that point at all? I'm not sure that I did. I think that the most excruciating symptoms were the hot flushes, particularly because I was working in a corporate environment with yeah. a lot of yeah. men um, yeah. and also because that my normal disposition was to feel uh, cold right. so I rest for the cold and suddenly I'm having these experiences and my and the way I dressed just didn't suit you know the idea of wearing a polo neck you know I mean I just wouldn't dream of wearing a polo neck now yes um, and and so I really had to adjust the way I dressed and I think that was the most and also then the end of a hot flush and how cold and clammy you feel so I really found that very discomforting I think that one thing that I am aware of having talked to women is this thing about heavy like what they call flooding yes yeah I never never experienced that what happened is my periods tailed off they didn't get heavier now it's possible that they did get heavier but might have been in my late 20s yes so long go i mean i just would never have correlated it so i didn't have this experience of my periods getting heavier and heavier before they tailed off they just tailed off yes and that was a convenience convenience not to have you know heavy periods that's right Uh, but but my mother particularly suffered flooding uh, and and she suffered them out in public and that was something i was always very apprehensive about because she told me some horror stories about that yes yeah it can be a nightmare for some women and unfortunately it's still the case that so many women are then offered a hysterectomy as the the method of reducing that problem and it, mm. as it so is not there are so many other avenues to explore before you take mm. that 
uh, track. So your your symptoms, apart from the hot flushes and the and the, or the night sweats rather, and then the hot flushes, there wasn't any other sim- symptoms that you particularly experienced. No, but I did have a bad experience at this time. I think when I was probably 40, 41, I think because of, and I'm not sure, unfortunately, uh, why I was prompted to go to the doctor, but I was prompted to go to the doctor potentially because of my periods, in fact, and they never discussed menopause with me. But what they said is I should go for an ovarian scan, which I did. At the time, I think they said, they couldn't see one of my ovaries and they said look maybe you should come back but you know what you look healthy you look young you don't have any other issues just leave it but about six months later I just had a niggle and I thought no I'm going to go back and see if there's anything going on and I went back and they said oh look there's definitely an ovarian cyst you should have come back (laughs) sooner than this and and really were uh, that they were referring me to a potentially ovarian cancer clinic which which obviously was really shocking for me yeah and what I, the decision I took was to, to use my private health care and find somebody that I could talk to. I ended up in the, the Queen Charlotte Hospital in Hammersmith. Yeah. Lovely gentleman now whose name I've forgotten. And he said, right, we'll get you down for a scan straight away, which they did. No ovarian cyst. And in fact, I had had a number of pains a few weeks before, which you know, maybe it suggested that it dissipated. But what was interesting is that he said, I'm referring you to a clinic for follow-up, which I thought was an ovarian yes. clinic. Yeah. I ended up in a menopause clinic, which I didn't, I didn't, wasn't aware. They hadn't briefed me. <laughs> I was examined by a woman yeah. who, who reported to the nurse while she was examining me that my uterus was closed, that it was, I, I can't remember the word she used, but mm. it really sounded quite shocking. Yes. Something, it really implied, obviously, that my uterus wasn't operational. Yes. And I said, I said, I don't understand what you're saying. And she said, well, you're menopausal. You know that. <laughs> and I said, no, I don't know that. I have no idea about that. And it was, I have to say, that was the most shocking experience. And it was shocking to receive it from a woman. Yes. And there was this big expectation that I understood. I think I was 41 at the time. Yeah. The implication is that actually I was, I was well menopausal. Yes. My perimenopause at that stage. Yeah. So yes, that, that is quite shocking. And, and it still shows that, that doctors aren't talking to, well, they're not, not so much not talking to each other. They seem to know who to refer us to, but they're not talking to us to make the connection and discussing it really to get our opinion. And we certainly have one. Yes. So as a result of that, you didn't go back from after that referral to the menopause clinic? or I did, and I've been going there ever since. So right. I've been going for eight years now. I'm, I'm 49, I'll be 50 this summer. Yeah. But what that triggered for me was then this realization that I probably wasn't going to have children. And I left a relationship with somebody who couldn't commit. Mm-hmm. I'd been with them for five or six years they were never ready to have children. And, and I thought, well, I still had the opportunity, the possibility. So at the age of 41, I really had to start going through that grieving period about yes. that. Well, I think they made it very clear. I mean, potentially, I guess if I got together with a partner, I wasn't with a partner when I, at that yeah. point. Yeah. I, suddenly you just thought, well, I'm going to have to fast track this, find some guy, um, <laughs> have sex all the time. And, and <laughs> I hope for the best. best. <laughs> and you just realized that I was on the downwards. You know, for me, yeah. it was just realization that the, the likelihood of, of it happening was really much more limited i'm sure that if, if i said well I, i'll go for hormone treatment you know i'm sure that if i took a very directed focused approach yes i, I potentially could have children now mm. but at the time it was just this realization that my natural cycle and my body and i've always felt actually that really i like 
the idea of being in tune with my body and and I've actually have never been on the pill so I've never taken contraceptive pill and you know I've, I haven't actually been on HRT either for for the reasons that I really would love to work with my body and with with a more natural approach around it so it was that realization that my body in its natural state obviously wasn't up for having children you know yes. and it also allowed all of those components of things that had happened in my 30s like the year of not having periods mm. like the hot sweats all or the night sweats all suddenly fell into place really yes yes you, you could see the pattern then yeah but yes. you were too young to uh, acknowledge it at the time and, and nobody else helped you to to find the right answer Absolutely. Yeah. so how do you feel now Health-wise, I feel healthy. What I'm, I am aware of, and I've had some challenges around this, is really, I think, medically, the three things that certainly I've been advised of in the clinic, which I, I really love, actually. It's a Mr. Panay, uh, a gentleman called Mr. Panay. Yes. I don't know if I've come yes, across I know him. Of him yeah. um, very like him. I like his clinic. Mm. And apparently he has told me I'm the only person in the clinic who's not on HRT. The only <laughs> person who, and I've had a number of discussions around it. My mother had, had Eastern-related breast cancer. Right. So that was a very significant factor for me, as well as the fact that I didn't really want, you know, that kind of intervention. Yes. A chemical pharmaceutical intervention. It wasn't really of interest to me. But the three things that they mentioned was brain, bone and heart health. Yes. And as a result of going to the clinic, they've sent me for uh, bone scans. Mm -hmm. And the key deficiency that's obvious now is that I'm actually, I've got osteopenia, which is pre-osteoporosis. And and over the last eight years, that has been quite significant, the decline in my bones. And to add to that is I've been casein intolerant or allergic to casein. Right. all my life but actually only became aware of it in my late 20s it's only been medica- medically acknowledged in the last two or three years but I haven't taken dairy products since I was in my late 20s yes yeah so I haven't drunk milk I mean I do have goat and sheep's products but I don't yes. take products. yes yeah I think uh, that seems to be a lot of women are lactose intolerant and I, I know myself and I didn't recognize it as a child it was always a treat on a Sunday to have uh, coffee made with boiled milk and I used to love it because of all the frothy stuff on the top and I always used to feel ill afterwards and never associated the two things and Absolutely. until I was going through menopause and, and now I don't have lattes and all the rest of it I've changed the way I, I drink that type of thing altogether so it's very interesting isn't it because there's a great well i mean there is a myth i i believe it's a myth about milk and bone health yeah and in fact they what they said to me is when they first did the scans is about bone health was really good yes. and so from the age of 28 through to 40 i hadn't taken milk but what i was very dedicated to probably until about two years ago was was weight bearing exercise yes Uh, And I would go between three and five days a week to a gym or addition, I did Pilates, I did hiking. All the right things. Yeah, yeah, all the right things. Mm. But then what's happened in my 40s, I've had, and I guess this is with the menopause, the sort of things around bones that I'm thinking of now is I've you know I've had more things like tendonitis mm-hmm. I, I ended up with yeah, really bad tendonitis in my wrists mm-hmm. I ended up with problems with my ankles so I actually had to stop doing weight-bearing exercise for a while yes. I then took up Pilates and did some yoga and more recently I'm getting back into weight-bearing exercise again but I have had nearly two years of not doing as much weight-bearing exercise and now is when I need to do it yes. but equally my body hasn't been supporting me as well as I would have loved it too. Yes, and, and I think I don't think enough women realise that it's the, the decline of our hormones, the change in our hormones, that does affect the, the brain, heart and our bones. 
and that you do have to take extra care about uh, diet and exercise and make sure you're eating lots of fruit and vegetables and doing, if not weight-bearing exercise, you know, swimming, it's, it's still a strength exercise, but do whatever makes you happy. That's why they're recommending HRT to a lot of women as a, a secondary prescription to support those areas because it has been shown that it helps avoid those problems. But I, I think women have got to be more proactive and say, well, yeah, we're not going to rely on the pills. I can do this myself. Mm. As long as they're aware of, of what's happening in their body and, and how hormones are so powerful in our lives that, that we don't realize how they have been supporting our good health all our lives uh, because we have so many more of them than the men, of course. Uh, and then we come a cropper at menopause and nobody tells us anything about it. So end up with Zimmer frames and all the rest of it. Cabinet full of pills. Well, we don't, we don't want to do that, do we? We, we don't really. And, and I, I do think that, that when I realized that reverberation actually of estrogen through my body. So you did ask, I think, about some supplements earlier. But one of the things that I was really pleased I started taking earlier and I took it through because I started having joint pain, because that, that was another symptom I had was joint pain probably yeah. in my thirties. My sister-in-law is a physiotherapist, normally not into alternative things at all. Yes. Uh, but because of her physiotherapy, she'd come across a supplement called Udo's Choice, which right. I'm sure you've heard of. I've heard of it, yes. And she started using that and, and absolutely sang its praises. And for somebody who pop a pill before she'd do anything else, I was yeah. really amazed. Mm-hmm. So I started taking Udo's Choice, and that's probably the supplement I've been taking for the longest period period of time yes. and I think three dessert spoons of that most days mm. and that certainly has made a big difference to joint aches and pains yes yeah um, what's it got in it uh, specifically but uh, the yeah. significant thing about Udo's choice relative to some of the others because there is linseed oil there's cod liver oil mm. and the way this is marketed certainly is that it contains omega-3 omega-6 and omega-9 yeah. Yeah. In the proportions that's, that are appropriate for humans, cod liver oil will have maybe omega-6 and omega-9, but yes. omega-3, and they don't necessarily have it in the, the proportions. Yes. So I found that using the Udo's Choice, I've tried some of the others, but I've nearly always reverted back to the Udo's Choice, even yeah. though it's more expensive. It really, I really noticed the difference around the, my, my joints. And also, it, it's supposed to be very good for mood as well mm. and, and take the edge of, of depression. But a lot of this is anecdotal, as you probably know, Catherine. Yes, yes. You, you, you don't know when it's happening to you. Um, I was been listening to Ruby Wax recently, who says the uh, title of a piece that was in one of the papers was that she had been mentally ill all her life. She goes to, and she's doing this show at the moment, and I, I think it's very brave of her to do that. But you you don't, for my, and I know a lot of other women, you don't recognize that you're going through this crazy period and that you're actually mildly depressed. And you don't have time to be depressed, most of us, because you're always so busy doing things. And it's only when you sit down and talk to yourself one day and you say, right, I've really got to do something about this. And that's when you, I think, become more spiritual in yourself and and begin to recognize your own intuition and, and lead a better life as a result of it. And many women change course and do completely different things. And I've certainly come out of it a completely different human being with so much energy and vigor to run with things and do things my way. It's quite a different thing that happens to women that not still not enough is written about. I've got a long way to go to recognize the, the whole true effect of menopause on women because uh, we're all working longer as well. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And now you're taking on a new career 
postmenopausally, but you feel ready for it and you're invigorated by your, the challenges that you're now facing. I know you mentioned to me that you've studied medical anthropology and, and this is all new. Suddenly we've become sponges again and can't get enough information about certain things and we want to do other things to, to bring those areas of education into it. You, would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily feel that it was directly related to me being menopause. I could be wrong because I've actually studied up over the course of my life. Medical anthropology for me was, I did it through the School of Oriental and African Studies, yeah. which got a very humanistic approach. And really what it's what the question is, is in different cultures, what does health mean and yes. on what what is illness and what is cure? And, and what was fascinating was to realize that menopause is medicalized in this country. Yes medical condition right and and you know and i'm not demeaning it by saying that it shouldn't be but it's just this idea that you know like childbirth it's a medical condition instead of a natural these are natural yes. events in our lives mm. but in a country like japan for instance it's not very medicalized mm. um and also what they because they actually don't have the notion of menopause no. in japan. according to what i've read yes. until they move to the west <laughs> exactly, yes. exactly. And they've done studies around that. Mm. And the key issues apparently that women present with in that age group are joint pain, is joint pain. Yeah. So it's the, it's the bone issue. But they don't have all this horrendous hot flushes, night sweats. Yes. Yeah. And I think there has been a lot of conversation about the relationship between that and, and things like uh, lactose and milk. And, mm. and obviously, and I wasn't taking those in my diet. So because I don't think I had a, a serious menopause, I think, you know, that it, I don't feel that it really impacted me in that way. The, mm. the shocking things that happened to me were really coming to terms with the fact that my childbearing years were yes. over earlier than I expected. And just also what that meant not to have periods. So I could go to the menopause clinic and they could offer me HRT. And their whole thing around HRT, by the way, was for me to take it till I was 50, purely to, to yes. cover that gap. Because mm -hmm. the way they explained it to me was that when you're 50, 51, a number of other systems come into play to actually supplement estrogen. Yes. So decided not to do that. But I think if my symptoms had been so severe, mm -hmm. like I don't really feel that I had significant depression, for instance. No. I feel the level of depression I had was the same as what I'd have with premenstrual tension. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I may well have been lucky in, in that respect. Yes. But uh, I do think the social aspects, aspects were very significant for me. Yes. And just the only other thing that I forgot to mention earlier, which was a shock to me, was discovering that I had atrophic vaginitis. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. And that, again, is an Eastern related. And, and that's pretty shocking because... Yeah. You know, well, I hadn't realized it and I was in a new sexual relationship yes. and sex was very painful and, and I didn't want to talk about it. And only no. that I talked to a girlfriend that said, go to your doctor. And I said, well, I can't do anything. I'm sure it's menopausal. And, and I am actually taking local estrogen for that. Yes. Yes. And, and again, it's such an embarrassing subject, even for, for women that have been in, like me, been in relationships. I've been married 38 years now and I just couldn't talk to my husband about that. I couldn't talk to my doctor about it. And it was only when I attended a medical conference that uh, there was a lecturer up there talking about it and saying what could be achieved, you know, to prescribe women and locally applied estrogen and all the other different products that are available. And I was so cross because there are so many women that are affected and nobody's telling them that there's a simple solution. And you were talking about medicalizing menopause. Mm. And, and I think you're right. It seems to me that unless when you're going through menopause, you've got all these symptoms and you're 
some women going completely crazy and don't understand it. Unless the doctor can put a medical label on it, like depression, uh, gynecological, anything like that, if it fits into a department, then you get taken care of. Mm-hmm. But it's all those other women doesn't have a medical label attached and they're disappearing under the radar and just being sent away with a pat on the hand saying, never mind, dear, it's your age. And and mm-hmm. to me, that's that's all wrong. They're just not getting the right information. So again, they're having to put up with it because they don't know what else to do. And the... Mm-hmm information that's getting out there is very slow. Absolutely and I think a far better more nurturing way to do it to be honest is what I feel Catherine. I think women to women and and I don't think it has to be medicalised but I do think it's so essential to have a forum and and to be able to discuss and, and just look at also having you know, better end results to be able to say, yes, I still want to have a sex life. I mean, I'm atrophic vaginitis. I got that when I was 45 and it's like, oh my God, my sex life is over now as well. Mm. And I really don't believe it has to be like that and and being able to support each other, whether it's, you know, natural remedies, whether it's something medical. I think let's be open to all of it. Yes. Yeah. Because we're all different and choices we're looking for. And we all Mm. need to try different things to find the right things that suit us best. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we shouldn't be put off that. Uh, even the, the women that go for HRT, I say, well, go for it. If that's suiting you, if it's sorting out your symptoms, bringing your life back into a, a steady place for you to move forward, then what's wrong with that? But obviously be aware of the medical history. But, but all pharmaceuticals have their side effects. So we, we shouldn't highlight HRT as being the, the worst case scenario because there are other drugs that, that have bad side effects too. So we've just got to be balanced, haven't we? And um, it's, it's interesting that you should talk about that because I'm just looking here. I've got, I pulled out some of these tinctures that I used and one of them is black cohosh and many yes. women may well have come across black cohosh, which is a, a herbal tincture, but it's actually a very powerful tincture yeah. and, and potentially toxic, which yes. I think is why there's an awful lot of concern around herbal tinctures. Mm. And it just goes to show that you know, even the herbs are the basis of our pharmaceuticals. Yes. So equally, we should be as respectful and cautious of something like the herbal tinctures as we are of of HRT. That's right really would suggest to anybody if they want to use anything for menopausal management that they work with somebody like a herbalist or a homeopath or, you know, somebody who can come up with a journey plan, if you like. Yes, most definitely. They may want to try these things for two or three months and it may not be appropriate to keep going with some things for more than that. Mm. It may not be appropriate to put certain things together. So, So I think we have to be, to me, it's like about personal responsibility and values. So you talked about, you know, people who choose HRT, women who choose HRT, TVs to be those who don't and I think it's all about really resonating with ourselves it's, and if you do something that doesn't resonate with you it's not going to work with you because I think it's not just the pharmaceutical it's about your relationship with it I know that sounds a bit crazy but it's that intuitive thing we're talking about yes and I think that if we're in tune with something, it may well work for us. And if somebody else uses it, it may not. That's right. Yeah. And it's uh, it's for us to, to be better informed, to allow us to make those decisions for ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm sure that all that information will help other women that are experiencing maybe not everything that you've gone through. Very pleased to share my story, Catherine. I mean, I, you know, my story is going to be different from other people's yeah. stories. I think what's wonderful about what you're doing is, you know, you're really eliciting that from people and saying, you know, your story is part of the patchwork quilt it is the patchwork quilt and and it's all of our stories it's it's not that we're my story is the right story it's 
we've all got little bits that that match up and you think yes that happened to me ah maybe I'll try this maybe I'll try that so if it's it's going to help women to be in better control of their own health and understand where they're going with this I think we can all come out of it leading much better because it's a metamorphosis and come out of it leading happier and healthier lives thank you once again Anne for for joining me in this journey this morning and we'll talk again another time lovely thanks Catherine thanks very much thank you you too bye bye